Hi everyone, welcome to Ship It and Sip It. I'm here today with a return guest, Vladimir Pantelev. Thanks for coming back to the show. Volva, how are you today? Pretty fine. Pretty fine? Pretty fine. Yeah, I'm usually fine <laughs> with R&D. That's great to hear. Yes, you are the head of our R&D department. And uh, I just wanted to have you back on the show to talk about what that means. It's been almost one year since you formed this department and created a special team to research and special forces and development develop yeah yeah high technology all right high but first let's warm up with some easy peasy questions or i guess uh do you have anything you've been working on lately that you'd like to share what did you ship the yeah. last week yeah last week was really amazing uh, and it was first week uh, at parallect when we built first generation art application. Uh -huh. So it was first step uh, in this direction. Like generative AI. Generative AI, AI. and all this stuff. Yeah, it, uh, it was a demo that we built for uh, one of our feature clients. <laughs> yeah, and uh, we just uh, dig in uh, this generative art stuff. And basically we generate image, we generate story, we generate audio um, information, let's say. So it's like a um, uh, novel that should be built from just text prompt. So you as an author, you just enter, um, you describe your character, you describe location where is everything going on, and you describe situation and story. And uh, using OpenAI stuff uh, and other <laughs> open source things, we, uh, Especially using GPT-3, we generate text, generate all these lines for our characters. Uh, using DALI, uh, it's new, super cool neural network, we generate uh, our character and location where it's going on, and we compile all this information into one big uh, like scene, scene, stage, I don't know. Uh -huh. uh, so one big picture with uh, uh, voiceover of history of history of the story this uh, image for our story so and we build this in like two days or something like this so it's just freak me out <laughs> I don't know how we awesome. uh, manage this yeah but uh, it's it's really super cool technology and it's like future now you know like I started to play with it and it it was first time for maybe 10 last year when it was really interesting to play with some applications. So you're just trying to pick any different words, trying to create characters, and it was really amazing. Really cool. I've got some questions about generative AI in our outline for today. So if I just, you know, type in, say, there's a little person who lives in New Zealand and found a magical, powerful ring, yep. it would create Lord of the Rings for me. Yeah, and... Uh, awesome. But for now, we can talk about this uh, generative art uh, directly starting from this sure. point. Okay. Yeah, and uh, it's really funny because it feels like a magic and you have to find right spell to hmm. make something cool. Because you can uh, find like not really best words for description right. of your character, of your location, and spell wasn't be like great. Yeah, you can get some artifacts, some um, badly generated uh, characters or, or locations. So you should find appropriate spell for these neural networks right. 
to get this. Today, uh, I just wake up and think about, it seems that in the future, uh, near future, we can get new developer job who will find the spells to these neural networks yeah. to get nice results of all this art. It seems like something as as a as someone who's not a developer but a, a mostly a writer. Yeah. This who should knows? I be should I be practicing my skills of writing for AI? Yeah. And generation? I, I believe you can be chief of uh, AI generation department. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's an interesting topic, and I've heard writers who are getting into this space and trying to use GPT three more for text generation. Yeah. Talk about how important it is to sort of. Find words. Right? Yeah, yeah, it's it's called prompts, and you should find like best prompt for your story, what you want to get. And also one more interesting uh, thought uh, that came to my mind: if you now search for image in Google or something like this, you find these images, but usually you ask for particular image that you want to get. For example, children of dog. Children with dog, or I know, image of forest, or blah blah blah. But we can generate these pictures right, without so storing it, yeah, yeah, yeah. and these pictures may be like personalized. So instead of searching for images, we're just going to be creating images. Yeah. So you ask for something, and you just not search it in an existing world. You create it from the scratch, and it's like high tech. Uh, Cyberpunk or something, because we're gonna to live in this world. Like you ask for something, and we just not I don't know bring it. We create it. You want some food, and you create this food at your like apartment or something like this. So well, we, the AI is not cooking yet. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Maybe it's better. <laughs> uh, yeah, but in terms of like digital yeah. data. We're really close to this point where we can create information, create data instead of searching it. Mm. Uh, and it's much more faster sometimes to create information instead of searching original or something like this. All right. So when I was researching and I've been reading a bit about these uh, generative AI tools, obviously GPT-3 has been out there for a while as a text yeah. generative uh, function. But things like Stable Diffusion, Dolly, uh, there's another one that I'm forgetting the name of. Uh, they're more on the image side, yeah. and that's what you've been working with. Uh, but in terms of products and startups that are using these, what are they, models, mm -hmm. data sets? Yeah. Uh, they're all basically, all the products are based on the same, either they use technology. The, yeah. Yeah, but based on different prompts. Right. So I guess my question is, where is the um, unique value? And if a founder wants to build something based on stable diffusion, that is a generative AI tool. Uh, what, what is their moat as a product or a business? So let me show you an analogy and uh, I believe you get it. Uh, all our applications at Parallect built with Node.js, mm. with same technology, mm. with same JavaScript language but using different approaches, different prompts. Right. Uh, so basically, these things about unique value is absolutely the same. You have this DALI or you have this GPT-3, anything. And unique value in these prompts and in these spells that you have to put into these systems to get something. Mm -hmm. And your system can just adjust this prompt to bring unique value. 
For example, it may be absolutely a similar interface, like text area with some prompt, but my application can add some secret words mm -hmm. to make result different. And these secret words, it will be my like secret and my R&D result and research. Yeah, special sauce. Special sauce. Yeah, for for cooking all of all this stuff. In terms of unique value, absolutely the same as with uh, all other technologies. Like we have same technologies, same same laws, but uh, engineers make a difference. So, uh, in terms of generative art. Yeah, prompts is everything. Let's move on, I guess, for now from generative AI. Uh, and we'll get back to AI in a little bit. But uh, I just want to talk because it is a very interesting time in technology. Uh, so my opening question was going to be, what does hardcore software engineering mean to you in light of what's happening with uh, a certain individual and uh, a certain very popular social media platform? Regarding hardcore developers, I would like to say that I personally divide engineers into two, let's say, cohorts. You know this word, cohorta, cohorta, cohorts, know. cohorts. Yeah, like first uh, is guys who can build really quickly regular stuff like websites, web application, etc. They usually use right tools for right problems. And it's really cool, guys. They can build really quick uh, MVPs and products, etc. And second, second part of engineers is like really creative guys who create from scratch. Who don't need to find a library for something, but they can resolve this issue with their hands and with their minds. So these hardcore engineers is guys who can live without npm. Npm is our uh, programming language. But uh, anyway, NPM is just like storage for all libraries that you can use uh, in simple words. And in case you can resolve any issues with your bare hands and uh, some computers without all this additional stuff, I believe you're like really hardcore engineer. Like you engineer who can resolve problems and you like think about problem, not about like library or tool or etc. You think about Problem. It's more like about science or something. This, I believe so. It's definitely not about you know um, overtime uh, at the work and etc. I don't yeah, like yeah. overtimes. It's uh, you are not hardcore developer in case you work like for twenty hours. <laughs> it seems you like have a wrong job. But uh, yeah, I'm would like to say that hardcore developers, developers who can do anything. Last time I talked with you was just before the start of the year, and we had a short interview about the beginning of the research and development team here at Parallect. Uh, so just give us some highlights from the year. Uh, tell us one or two of your big wins, and uh, what was your impression of the year? So first, my personal win, it's team. <laughs> uh, last year I was alone in this team, <laughs> but now we managed to build this great team of everybody. Actually, we have engineers, we have designer, we have even community manager <laughs> in our team. Yeah, really, I like to have Artyom, Evgeny, Sergey, Arseny in my team. So we're going to build a lot of cool stuff. Uh, and yeah, it's, it was really hard because, you know, it's always hard to 
get best people on your side uh, because everybody wants these best people on their <laughs> sides uh, and uh, yeah it was a lot of hard work with guys and yeah first and main important for me is a team because technology is much more easier than building teams i just would like to mention some recent uh win it, it was a lot of interesting stuff this year uh mostly we uh, bring a lot of people to R&D. Uh, we have core team of R&D, those guys that I mentioned before, but I'm really doing my best to bring a lot of different developers, different person, different roles to R&D just to, just to show them how it's easy to use new stuff, to motivate them, use new stuff, and just break this ice wall of fear this i don't know this technology i just i will spend like a year to fix this bug or something i just want to show that everything is super easy and you just need to try to bring some new stuff to our company okay but connected with that um you you said when we talked last time that a big goal of the r d team was to to find this new tech and bring it to other teams in parallel. Yeah. So you've mentioned that you found other engineers and brought them to, to R&D. Is that how it works? Or? And bring it back. Yeah, bring it back. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, so last, last uh, project, it was really a win for me. So it's uh, timeshares. Uh -huh. uh, so it's project about watches <laughs> right. and about shares. To make it simple, it's just crypto startup uh, regarding uh, watches uh, and shares, uh, it's super easy. But a uh, year ago, we have no any significant uh, knowledge base of NFT, of cryptocurrencies, of, of all this crypto world, uh, Web3 Web world, and etc. Teams that works working actually right now on timeshares before launch day of timeshares worked with me on a crypto crypto product we're trying to do um, we're trying to do scheduled payments or recurring payments with with web3 or subscriptions mm -hmm. like you have subscription on uh, I don't know Spotify YouTube or yeah. something like this and we tried to implement something like this but with web3 it has some uh, restrictions in terms of technology that you can't just simply do this so and we uh, sitting with this team and thinking about how we can implement it and we have to uh, understand how it works how this web 3 and crypto stuff working and we gain knowledges uh, that absolutely necessary for implementing these timeshares and when we start estimation of this project I already had a team who can estimate it, who understand how to do it, how to implement it, and we easily, without any fear, start this project because it's much more easier than this product that we did before. Yeah, I mean, shares and watches, uh, super much easier. Yeah, yeah, Recurring yeah. payments for streaming music, you've got all the licensing yeah, issues. Yeah, 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 it's, it's, it's a lot of stuff. So, uh, and it's like, I believe, biggest and recent knowledge transfers that helped us in terms of production and real-world usage. For sure, we had a lot of stuff that like small, but victories. But this is what really impressed me in terms of, I saw how my product, like in my head, <laughs> transferred to really production project 
and helped team to uh, implement it. So uh, yeah, I would like to say that is a cool thing. All right, uh, let's stick with sort of the uh, transferring new tech ideas into established products. I guess uh, you called it conducting technology intelligence. Um, yep. And paving the way for some of the production teams or product teams to adopt new tech. Uh, is there a sort of balance that you need to overcome? You said that they were afraid to use it. Yeah. But in, in, the, in another term, I would say like, if it works with what they're using now, why is there a risk to bringing on new technology? How do you assess that sort of question? Uh, risk that you can fail and everybody will laugh at you. It's, 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 sure. it's not true, <laughs> guys. You can uh, try everything. It's, it's okay to fail. It's more about motivation, I would like to say, and more recruitment. Because one thing is talk about technology, like we do, and completely another thing is to implement technology or use technology or bring technology because you have to spend a lot of time just to understand new like conceptions new basics and new words so it's really quite a lot of time uh, a lot of mind power i have to spend more time on recruitment than on development of this thing so i just spent week or two weeks to recruit some developer to start using this technology or try this technology. For example, I don't know, computer vision, NAML stuff or Web3 stuff. And then we implement this project in days or in one week, for example. And I like, okay, I spent two days just to uh, push this developer to start development. And then we develop, develop this in, in, in one week. So yeah, it's more about fighting with fear <laughs> than, uh, than a technology. It's also, hard to bring new technology in um, existing projects or products just because some owners phrases like uh, okay it's unstable technology i don't know should we use it or not like it was really super strange thing with bitcoin and cryptocurrency last i don't know three months or something like this when everything last, is start last week, last week, yeah, <laughs> like like everything start to be like a fraud in this cryptocurrency stuff. And if you previously uh, put all your money on this cryptocurrency stuff, now you may look like a frauder. Yeah, and it's kind of risk. So um, yeah, it's it's sometimes it's hard to bring new technology because everybody afraid. <laughs> right. There, I mean, it feels like the hype cycles around crypto and Web3 are sort of exaggerated simply because it's such a speculative financial aspect yeah. to it. It's not just a framework for a back-end yeah, yeah, tech. Yeah. It involves money. <laughs> digital money. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Let's say so. <laughs> right. So, And the gains have been huge and the losses have been huge. So it feels like uh, that... That aspect of it is really sort of the part I like the least, I would say. All right, let's dive back into AIML a little bit. Um, you already talked about the generative stuff. That's exciting. There was a survey that I found uh, called the State of AI. They do a survey every year. They talk with engineers like yourself and people that are building 
in the AI ML space. And this year they found that, um, what was it, 69% mm -hmm. of the engineers believe that safety should be a higher priority. Uh, last time we touched on this when you were on the show, uh, we talked a little bit about self-driving cars and yeah. the risks around that. But um, what's your view on sort of the overall risk of the machines, you know, doing something catastrophic to the human race. I believe it's it's uh, we need to resolve a lot of issues before to fight with machines. Yeah, for me, personal marker is until you have no any robots, like real robots with hands and something like this, on your kitchen, you have no any, you have no worry about anything because it's really hard to create general AI. General AI is kind of program that can't resolve not specific issues or task or something. It can exist by themselves. Uh, and it's really, really hard to implement it. It's hard to imitate some small brain, like B brain or something like this. I mean, build all these neurons, connections, because it's really complex systems. So uh, in terms of general AI, it's super far, far away from us. But in terms of our, that, that AI that we talk about usually is just specific AI. So it can resolve some specific task or uh, do some specific task. For example, uh, this uh, machine learning or computer vision can detect some object, and uh, that's all. <laughs> it's like uh, your your series of, of posts about open parking spaces. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's 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 just one specific task, and I can't imagine how you can die from it, uh, from these photos or uh, analysis. I believe it's we can spend more time on security of your wallets <laughs> if talking about uh, security. But yeah, in terms of all this question. Self-driving car. For me, it's it's just blank space in my head. I don't know. I don't right. have any. We don't have to go back in. Yeah, yeah. So uh, you should watch first episode. <laughs> we yeah. already talked. About <laughs> yeah, it. yeah. Right. Um, but security is important. Let's let's summarize everything. Security is really important, but I'm not really sure that uh, you know we like a regular person should think about security right now. It's too early for me. But. I don't know, security, I know a lot of guys who are crazy about security, you know, about all this, no photos in social networks, right. no phone numbers, leaf and forest, uh, and etc. Right. I guess uh, the major concern that was raised in the survey mm -hmm. and the, the, the articles that I read about it um, was just around uh, the power of the models and the amount of money that was being continually poured into it. So VC continue to, to make these models more robust and from all different angles. And at some point, that interest in higher performance will lead to some sort of tipping, crossing of a threshold that we mm -hmm. can't come back from. And maybe it would be inadvertent. Maybe we wouldn't even know that we had crossed that threshold. I don't know. Maybe we, I, I believe the second option is more, more sounds like a truth because, you know, technology is so quickly come to our life and we just uh, completely forgot about what, what we had five years ago or 10 years ago. All right. So uh, just to stick with the models, because you've been working with the new ones uh, mm -hmm. that we talked about already. Um, 
I read somewhere that GPT-4 is scheduled for like next year-ish yeah. sometime. Uh, is there, is there, are there any others that you, or other tech in the AI space that you're really excited about that you think is coming soon that you want to work with? GPT-3 already looks amazing. Uh, it, I actually use it sometimes and uh, I use a lot of things to generate some text and I believe next generation of this GPT, GPT-4, will be really a danger to copywriters or something like this. So you can just, or maybe really handsome tool for copywriters, I don't know. Uh, but even for now it's uh, show completely like crazy results in terms of text generation, story generation. It will be really interesting to try how it works. But I already saw this image generation and it is like pew. Yeah. All right, so aside from uh, machine learning and leading new teams into new tech opportunities, uh, you guys have been working a lot on SHIP. Uh, can you give us a one minute intro? What is SHIP and why is it valuable for the founders that we work with? SHIP is a boilerplate or framework that we're using for launching new products at Parallect. And it's usually safe about 100 hours of development on startup, so you can usually push one button and you get completely ready to build boilerplate or template for creating new products. Yeah, and uh, last year we a bit relaunched our development. This year we get landing page, really cool landing page with all information about this. And usually ship really helpful in terms of starting and launching MVPs and etc. For sure you have to add um, new features and new models when you grow and when you uh, go uh, through MVP. But yeah, SHIP is basically our framework that we're using to launch new products. All right. Uh, is that something that, I guess, who does it appeal to? Because it's, a, it's an open source GitHub library, right? Yeah. Uh, so does it appeal to engineers? Does it appeal to technical founders? Does it appeal to... Uh, it's appealed for anybody who would like to start a new project using JavaScript. Basically, it's developers for sure. Like, I uh, don't think that any even technical founder should use it. It's more regarding, uh, more about developers, development, all our underhood and kitchen stuff. So yeah, it's about developers. And uh, here I would like to say hello to Evgeny, who is like main developer and yeah, lead <laughs> of our ship development. Uh, he did a lot of stuff this year to improve it. I guess related to that, uh, from what Eager, our CTO, has written about and, and talks about a lot, and Andre Orsic, our technical product manager, they write and talk a lot in their blog, in their uh, newsletter, about uh, how high of a priority simplicity is when building new products. So I guess my question is, how do you balance uh, finding new tech and tech R&D with building very simple products. How does that? It's super complex task to build super simple things. From my experience, it's really easy to find technology. You just need to be a scout and find this technology. It's even super easy to build some kind of proof of concept or demo for anybody. But prepare this technology to production usage it's super big and complex task because you have to find all cases uh, where it should be used and prepare your piece of code 
to you be used in somewhere. So yeah, we try to usually when we have a choice to choose simplest and clearest solution. Uh, so we don't build like um, you know all-in-one things. We just build small specific solution for anything. For example, uh, we had this uh, parking image recognition stuff, and uh, on the like at the end, we have just piece of code that can just recognize super simple images from parking and cars. So we don't try and don't aim to build some generic general solution for everything. Uh, and it helps us to keep this complexity uh, like not so huge. Uh, but anyway, it's also require you as an adopter who will use this technology to get this tech and a bit adapt to your product because you already did some did some choices on your project. We don't like to you know, push all developers to use the same pattern or something like this. It's your basis, it's our just simple, super simple code, let's say example, boilerplate, template, use it in terms of your context. So use your context to adapt any technology. Interesting. Yeah. Thank you for that. All right, uh, so I guess in that example, uh, I don't wanna uh, make this too hypothetical, but you've got uh, this piece of technology that identifies open parking spots in a given parking area. And, and as an end user, I would say, okay, now I know that there's an open parking spot in, in lot B. Yeah. Why can't I just pay for that right here in this piece of technology that's told me that there's an open parking spot there, say it's a paid lot, right? Yeah. Uh, and now it becomes a lot more complex, right? It's all about product and product development, about needs, users, right, payments. Right. Here I'm just trying to focus on solution and give you as a product manager, for example, uh, options. So it's our tech that we can use for our products. So it's like your turn, build best product. I, wouldn't, I, I don't want to dictate to our product manager or our owners you should use payments for this or for that. Uh, I'm just trying to add more fresh air everywhere so you can pick what you want to choose. And it's like a Lego. Uh, so you just pick all parts that you need and build products. So I would like to make these parts simplest uh, for you so you can use it. Right. All right, let's talk about more pieces of the Legos then. Um, and I guess, this is something that I've heard you sort of change your mind about a little bit, maybe, you can tell me. So uh, about no-code and low-code tools, what's your current uh, take on them? <laughs> it's super cool tools when you know why you're using it. Mm -hmm. And uh, not any problem, not any product can be built with no-code tools. Uh, I divide personally no-code into two big parts. First is like, and user-oriented tools like Webflow uh, and all this uh, bubble I.O. stuff uh, that make you feel like you can build anything for anybody. It's, it's not actually true. It's uh, still not so flexible as regular code. Uh, and second part of no code that I personally like a lot is like back office stuff. So you can build 
any back office, any admin panels, any management of internal staff tools in a minute. So it's uh, just usually in back office, no need for really uh, fancy UI or something like this. It should just working <laughs> and it's easy to support and it's like it's super great usually not usually on all our products now we use retool it's super cool tool retool <laughs> to build some uh, back office stuff to manage users to manage anything in system we can do any actually uh, back office in hours to previously we spent weeks mm -hmm. to build this i like this no codes that help you automate internal stuff and I personally don't see so profit in usage of uh, such webflow things to build in complex product. I'm talking about only complex product. In terms of building some landing pages and super simple static pages, okay, it's super cool for you as a, as a site owner or website owner. Awesome. Aside from ship and AI stuff, it seems like there are a lot of different sort of small projects going on in the R&D team. And uh, we hear about them on, on, in different places. You, you share about them within the company. Um, how, how do you guys prioritize and sort of keep track of mm -hmm. all of this? Yeah, for sure, we have some priorities. So personally for me and for our team, our clients and our founders is uh, like number one priority, number zero actually priority. So in case we see that we can somewhere help with something, we just start doing something for other founders for any, any task, any problem actually, we're trying to help everywhere. Second is our going production projects and products that we currently building at Paralect. So SHIP is kind of, tool that we build internally to help other projects start faster and etc. So it's like second priority. And last but not least is any ideas that we have inside our project. Here I'm not like a dictator who would like to implement all my ideas. Uh, I'm just came to our boys and girls, <laughs> developers, uh, designers, everybody, and ask them what they want to build and what they maybe dream about, and we're trying to pack it in some kind of product, proof of concept, something that can bring some value to our company. Maybe knowledge, maybe a cool video, maybe just fun topic on our podcast, anything. Yeah. And we're trying to implement it really fast without any like friction or something. And I'm here just to help. I'm not like a person who did everything. I'm just talking about it and help person to build their uh, dream. <laughs> Let's say so. Fantastic. So uh, can you share a little bit about what's in the pipeline? Um, do you have some things the, the team's looking to launch before the end of the year or in the next couple months? Yeah, uh, main um, task and maybe kind of uh, milestone regarding the ship, we're going to be a public. We're going to share a lot of uh, information in internet about ship on the world uh, wide web yeah world wide web <laughs> uh, so currently we're working on uh, nice and fancy documentation uh, and trying to this is more user-friendly in terms of non-parallel engineers so we're going to start this as an open source framework so you can use it right now but we're going to promote it going to publish everywhere 
where we can <laughs> information regarding the ship and go public. Yeah, public is our main priority. Super. Well, I look forward to reading about it, helping maybe a little bit where <laughs> yeah. I can. But anyway, if you're interested in ship, it's already the website's live. It's ship.parallax.com. Check it out if you're into starting products quickly in JavaScript. It's just super simple and funny uh, landing page. So even if you are not tech person, you should try it. It's super simple. Yeah. All right. Um, in terms of the R&D team, I guess as a whole, we'll wrap up where we started. Uh, what do you think will change next year? Will anything change? Is the vision evolving as to what you guys are doing within uh, Parallax? Yeah, like my personal goal next year will be more will be to be a more open, so everybody can contact R&D somehow can bring ideas, time, I don't know, any anything to R&D and we at R&D will help any person to build something, to bring something, to make some value from ideas or etc. So this year was more like beta version of GPT, <laughs> R&D of Parallax. Uh, yeah, next year, next year uh, we're going to be more public because now we have a lot of experience in terms of processes, how it should work inside the company, how we work with production uh, guys who works on uh, existing projects, how we can do that way or do this or something like this. Yeah, next year I'm gonna just spread R&D everywhere. So, yeah. All right, R&D is coming for all of us. <laughs> yeah, I look forward to it. All right. Well, it'll be very fun to collaborate in, in any way that I can. And I'm sure we'll have more to talk about if you come back on the show again in <laughs> a year or so. Be safe. All right. Thanks, everybody. Have a great weekend.